Hi, and welcome to Sound Off, a place that exists to spotlight Asian Americans in music. From songwriters to producers, to musicians to engineers and beyond, there are so many ASAM creatives doing amazing things. Sound Off hopes to shed light on this growing but still often unseen community in the music industry. And one way we do that is by letting you hear from the creatives themselves. I'm your host, Mesmi, and I'm super excited to kick off the Sound Off interviews with artist Melissa Polinar. A singer, songwriter, and musician who hails from Texas, Melissa is one of the original Asian American voices that arose out of new media and technology. She's toured with the likes of David Ryan Harris and India Ari, and it's her newest collaboration you're hearing right now with producer Jesse Barrera. Come along with us and get to know Melissa Polinar. So I know you just came into L.A. about a week ago, you said, Mm -hmm. from Texas. And is that born and raised hometown? Most of my life was spent in Texas. Um, However, I'm kind of an honorary um, Los Angeles person at this point because I'm always here. Uh, A lot of my friends here always tease me about it but uh, because I'm always here, like, um, maybe every other week or every month I'm here. Like I, sp- I basically split my time. So it depends on my schedule. How about growing up though? Where did you grow up? What was, what was home or was it also all over the place? Well, most of the childhood, uh, memories that I do have, uh, were spent in Texas. But before that, uh, my family was actually traveling a lot too. Um, we were in the Middle East for a couple of years, but I'm the youngest of three. So a lot of my memories are a little hazy at this point but I do have like you know poignant memories that I can remember here and there but most I would say would be Texas. Wow and what part of Texas? Uh, Dallas Fort Worth uh, up in uh, like a little suburb in that area so yeah just pretty laid-back upbringing musical in the sense that I you know as a Filipino kids oh their kids always get to uh learn um, piano the first instrument and then after that if you get bored then you move on to other things but piano is definitely like the the first instrument that you do learn Um, I love singing so that is because that's part of my culture too my family loves to sing Uh, none of them took it into a level of career they just love for the you know karaoke and learning other songs. But uh, yeah, I'm like the only one in my family who really ventured out and started writing songs and trying to make this as a living kind of situation. So yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear a little more about that. Like, I guess, when did it start for you? When did it become something more than, oh, this is just what I've grown up around into something that is really personal and powerful? And then how was that with your family taking that? Well, I mean, I don't know if there was there was a time, it's just like one time that I switched my brain to make it like, oh, this is going to be my career. I mean, I honestly was very open-minded when I was a kid. I love music. I love, you know, I, I played vi- classical violin for a long time. I was in choir. I was in orchestra. I was in band. I, I played clarinet. I totally forgot about that. Um <laughs> It's funny what you forget from like (laughs) when you were a kid, when you had all these programs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So my family knew that I loved music. That was not like a mystery. Uh, But I never at the beginning thought of it as a career because it was not an option. It wasn't I wasn't raised here in Los Angeles or Hollywood where 
you know, parents, their kids, they put their kids into these, you know, whatever acting coaches and all that stuff. Oh, it's like so that, crazy. So that different. Would, yeah. It's a different mentality, you know, back at home in Texas. So, um, I never really thought about it until, um, I guess at some point around 16, 17, um, I started writing songs and I thought it was amazing. It gave me like this power or like this voice that I didn't know that existed, you know, a creative expression that I didn't know I had, uh, whether those songs are good or not, it had nothing to do with that. I just thought it was, it was a great feeling. Um, and it was something that I had, like, you can be a great voice, but if you're singing other people's voice, that's not, in a way, it's not really your voice, you know, like in my head. But like, if you wrote the lyrics, if you wrote the melodies, if you absolutely love what you have done right in front of you after you finish a song, that's yours. Like nobody can really take that away from you. So it really felt empowering. I didn't know what to do with it except just doing it. Um, one summer, I would say my junior year of high school, uh, during the summer, like summer vacations, I would venture out and do like small gigs, you know. Uh, during the school year, I would do like school functions, sing at that stuff and church events, um, community events. But during the summer when there's a lull in the whole city, um, I somehow just saved up money to like go at these like events that um you know music conferences and how to oh, wow. you know, yeah it was kind of I was so driven yeah and, you know. like a very young age <laughs> like you said you didn't have a moment where this is what you wanted to go for but it sounds like you already had a I guess so but I didn't think it was like going to be my career I just wanted to learn more about it you know like yeah I can write a song but I know I'm not an expert so I just want to learn more um it's just something you love. Yeah. I, I didn't know if it was viable for me to, to pursue it. But I would perform at all these, like, you know, little coffee shops and stuff. And one time in Colorado, um, I ended up there. I did a little <laughs> coffee shop thing. And some dude came up to me and asked me if I had a demo because he loved my performances uh, that night. And I, you know, I was pretty jaded. I'm like... I don't know if you're real, like the real deal. So the backstory is uh, both my siblings too are very musical, but they didn't pursue it as well. They didn't pursue it as a career. Um, so my brother and I sometimes would like, you know, write music together or I would write the music and then he would kind of somewhat produce it. So when I went out to these shows, I had like a little CD of my stuff. Um, and so I gave that to that guy that night and I didn't know what to expect, but like a week later, I think a little before the new school had started, um, I got a phone call and it was, uh, Warner Chapel. That's uh, amazing. yeah. So, and I didn't know, I, I was so naive. This is, this was so funny because I, they offered me at the end of like this, you know, they flew me to Nashville. They rented a studio and all the executives were around me. And wow. I had like maybe 10 songs in my back pocket at that point. You know, that's still I, pretty good. Though. I didn't have a lot, but it was like. But how old were you? I was like 16, 17. That's a lot for being 16. I mean, I don't know. Like 10 solid songs, you know? I don't know if they're solid, but they're songs. They got. They got you to fly out to Nashville. Yeah, cool. so it, it got me to Nashville. And um, what's funny is that 
Nashville is an interesting place because these group of people really like saw something in me or heard something from me that obviously enough for them to like book a flight and got me there. Uh, but they didn't quite know what to do with me. And this is now in hindsight yeah. where I think where the ethnicity had to come into play. And I was so naive because I grew up in Texas. You know, I grew up with in a predominantly white community, you know, some diversity here and there, but predominantly white. And a lot of my friends were white. So and they looked at me as like their friends. So I never really thought of like, oh, Melissa Polinar. Super different. Person. Yeah, super different person. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was a token Asian friend, but sure, I took I took it. I took that in strides. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so when I was I remember if I remember correctly, is that they didn't know what to do with me. If they were to sign me uh, to a record deal, they didn't know what to, how to package me or market me and all that stuff. So what they did as a solution was, let's have you sign a publishing deal. And at this point, I was so naive, I didn't even know that publishing deals existed, mm -hmm. right? It is kind of like a hidden... I think not as seen side of the music business unless yeah. you're in music. Yeah. And so I wasn't right. So publishing deal, I, I, I didn't know that people can make a living out of just writing songs and not sing them, you right. know, you know, they're really good people who I work with. And to this day, I still kind of somewhat like keep in touch, but as a whole, uh, my experience then was, was a lot of growing pains. It was like not fun, really? you know? Well, I can't say that like a hundred percent. I mean, it was fun because I got to meet all these people that I wouldn't have otherwise. Um, but it wasn't fun because of the fact that I was removed from, you know, I at that point I was kind of removed from my regular high school, college life. Right. You so know, you were living there like you you moved there. And Eventually, like first year I, I did the flying back and forth, kind of like what I'm doing here with L.A., uh, but they put an incentive out to like, hey, you should move out here and like start writing more seriously. And it's good to have you accessible anytime. So I did. I had like a little apartment there. But yeah, it was just like I, I felt a little lonely and I I was young and I didn't know. At, at the beginning when I first moved, I was just so like, I'm going to I can handle this, whatever. But I think I was too young and too naive to know any better. And you didn't have like, it sounds like you said your family wasn't really doing that. It's not like anyone could guide you along. Like, this is what the business is like. Yeah. I mean, that was that was my creative director, Cindy. She was the one that gave me all the, you know, ins and outs. And I digested as much as I could. Um, but I also realized that I moved to Nashville a little too prematurely because I didn't have friends. Like, all the people that I was connected to there were first of all way older than me right. and second like even if I met a few I did meet a few people who were like around my age um you know they were working hard too and we didn't really get to hang out you know it was it was it was growing pains but what I am thankful for for that whole situation is that it gave me the discipline to know how to write songs it gave me the tools that I do have now that I've used, you know, all through, you know, because after that whole experience, then YouTube started to happen. Oh, so YouTube was after that. Yeah. Wow. So um, YouTube was kind of like a surprise second resurgence in my life because I thought that like 
my deal was over and, you know, my publisher or my creative director left the company or put in her two weeks notice. So I was like, okay, who's going to champion my cause there? Nobody really. Um, I mean, that's just the nature of the music industry. It's a revolving door. You have people who believe in you and there's people who don't really care for you that in that regard so and people up and moving companies all the time yes yeah 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 so that was over I moved back to Texas and then I kind of like I don't know took a back seat I didn't really write a lot of songs because at that point after my deal was done I wrote a hundred something songs wow yeah in so two years huh in two years I think so I can't really like remember at the remember. exact time <laughs> And, um, yeah, it was just like a complicated, like, I'm thankful for it. And, but, uh, I don't know if I were to do it again. Really? Like if you could go back in time, you wouldn't do it again? Or just if mm-hmm. the same offer happened now kind of thing? Well, it's just different now. Cause I'm an adult. Like I'm, I know so I, much more. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, uh, but I didn't know what I was doing and I just felt like, um, yeah, growing pains. That was what it was. And, I, and I'm and i thankful for it because it made me the, a stronger person now. And I've approached different things because of that experience. And again, like, I learned a whole lot. Like, mm-hmm. I learned. That was my, I would say, my college course on, like, music industry slash how to write songs. Because I wrote with very talented people and very, you know, most of them were amazing. Yeah, so I went back home. I tried it. I tried to just regroup myself and to see like, where do I fit in this whole thing? And just the fact that I felt like such a disappointment also to my family, because I kind of, I don't know, like wanted to prove them wrong that I could do this. (laughs) But anyways, long story short, uh, YouTube started to happen. And then I met all of these like Asian American people in it. Right. So that's, I would say Jeremy Passion, Gabe Bondock, like AJ Raphael, um, Kathy Nguyen, Akina. Yeah. Uh, you just name them. So there was this like resurgence of, not resurgence, like just basically people who look like us, you know, who are not represented in the mainstream media, like all of a sudden popping up on YouTube. And blowing up too. Blowing up. Yeah. And it wasn't saturated like it is now. So like I remember posting like a, low production kind of value of a video basically my my laptop was just a macbook it wasn't even a pro and just put on the camera and then just like sang and then I would get so many hits um and so I just started to think like this this could be something and I just ran with it and that is essentially it you know I just ran with it from then on out I didn't really like plan I don't plan a lot of things is that who you are naturally? Like you go into an adventure and kind of like have this. Yeah, I think I've learned that about myself later on that I'm not much of a planner. Um, I can plan things easily, like because obviously I'm an independent musician. I have to plan things, but I'm I'm I don't have like a five year plan or a ten year plan or whatever, like a lot of my friends who I grew up with. But yeah, it's 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 been kind of such a ride, and it's like. All the things that I can recount from then, from the very beginning of my my YouTube thing till now, it's like crazy. Yeah. Crazy in a sense of like, holy crap, that happened? Like, you know, all the people that I've gotten to work with, I wouldn't have, I don't know. It's it's all just because of a, a ripple effect of of people believing in me and then just like people showing up. 
here and there to, to help me and um, put me on the next level of whatever it is that I needed to do at that moment of time. So, yeah, I'm really, really thankful. I mean, it's not the easiest career to choose. So if oh, if I if I were to have kids <laughs> one of these days and one of them want, you know, if one of them want to be musicians, I would like I would have to have a comprehensive questionnaire oh, do you wow. really want to do this oh my goodness that sounds like there's a lot in that phrase because I have heard that other yeah. other musicians and um people who are in music who have parents in music and like yeah I don't think you should go into this field or just like it is so tough um you know I wouldn't prevent my kids if I I'm saying kids as though it's like they're around. Uh, I wouldn't prevent them. I would just like give them the real deal of like what to expect because it is hard. And I had to learn from the ground up, like from scratch, essentially. Um, I knew it, it was going to be hard, but when hardships do come, it's like, oh no, why did I choose this? Like I second guess myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's um, music to me is more than... Uh, a job um i think in a way it is a calling um and i don't know if all musicians can say that for me it is a calling uh if somehow let's say hypothetically i don't get to do this anymore next year or in the near future then that's okay i'm not i'm not totally heartbroken by it but i knew i knew or i know at this moment from when i started that it's a calling I doubt myself all the time, but when you know it is your calling, you just keep going, you know, you just keep going and, and, um, find, I guess your voice in it in whatever era of music you're in. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, that's, that's a really interesting thing you said about it feeling like a calling for you. And it is a different thing for each person. Mm -hmm. I think how they approach it and what's drawing them along this kind of path to be in a creative field and try to make this career. Mm -hmm. For you, does the calling have like a certain draw or purpose behind it? Like, is it a calling just for giving voice to something or? Um, I mean, it's whole encompassing. Uh, at the beginning, I would say when the YouTube thing started to happen, I just wanted to get my music out of there because I had like, you know, songs already written. And I, my calling at that point was just to put music out there. As I've gotten older, it has become more, I guess, altruistic. Is that the, the right word to do it? Uh, you know, I didn't really think of myself as a representation of Asian American. Like, no, I was just like, I'm just... You're just you. I'm just me. Yeah. And but it has become that, you know, like when I do all these shows with like Jeremy and Gabe, I've been touring with them off and on for the past couple of years and like just college shows or any other tours that I've been in. It's like, you know, you see these kids like who grew up listening to your songs and I just feel so differently now. Like it's like I'm doing this for them. I'm not really doing this for me. Like wow. it's just it it has evolved. It definitely has evolved. So calling could could evolve into so many different things, but the the underlying thing of it all is that calling to me is finding your gifts and using that. That's all it is, you know. It doesn't have to be like this whole speech of complicated verbose speech, but it, you know, this is what I found that I was pretty good at and confident in and so even though I have doubts even though I have bad days and 
even breakdowns, it's like totally that's normal. irrelevant. Totally that's normal. still your calling. Right. So calling to me is like more than a feeling that you feel. It's like a purpose. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a calling to me is like, I would say your tools to do your purpose hmm. Ooh, it's like your toolkit that makes it that's really interesting because it's like different things like a screwdriver and a hammer yeah. and yeah so your calling is completely different than mine even though we're, we're both musicians mm-hmm. so like so every musician could have the same gift but a different calling you know there they might be the screwdriver <laughs> i might be the hammer you know that's cool yeah and for you, you were saying kind of like these past several years, it's really been shaping into kind of like this more community. Yeah. And in some in some ways, um, representation too mm-hmm. within the community, connecting in that way. And I guess like being able to give that to people. Yeah. And I think it's, I feel like when I keep doing this music thing and being present in this, like being on stage or being interviewed on TV or whatever it is, um, even right now. Yeah. It's that it validates people who are like us, who are younger than us, mm-hmm. you know? And because of that validation, it gives them confidence to do whatever the hell they want to do in life, whether it's music or not, you know? And and I think that's what I lacked when I was a kid, you know? Totally. I remember when I did um, South by Southwest, I cried on stage. <laughs> When was that? That was um, a few years ago, right? Just a couple of years. Yeah, ago? Collab had uh, like, like a, landed like official Asian American showcase. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's the first one, and I I got in. I was part of that whole lineup. Run River North was one. I was one, and then Megan Lee and two other artists or something. Wow. And I was just like, you know, it was just like another it's- South by Southwest showcase. It wasn't like. But for me, it meant a lot because it was, it was like, it was a moment. Like, I didn't even know I was, you know, it, it again, it was not planned. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, story of my life. A story of my life. <laughs> uh, but NPR happened to be there and they started like featured, like, I don't know. Oh, it was funny. Awesome. It was awesome. It was great. But like, there's a part of me too that like to have composure. Mm. And it's a very Asian thing, by the way. <laughs> But <laughs> and performer thing too. Yeah, an artist thing. Like when I don't know, sometimes you get protective of yeah. your sensitive part. Yeah, you know? I get really like I I want to feel composed, even if it's I, even if I'm talking about emotional things. Mm-hmm. Like, but then like when I lose it, I'm just like, oh, what am I gonna do? <laughs> You're like, what is this coming out of my eye right now? Yeah, but um, yeah. So it has become that and. Um, especially when it does get hard and like just sometimes you just lose your anchor. That's the only thing really that I could really think of. How do you feel you do with that as um, an independent artist and so much work is required Mm -hmm. other than the creative work? Do you feel like that's something you've grown into? Yeah. I mean, I've had to kind of evolve myself into also an admin, you know, like even just today, like trying to, to, to get a, a time in and like, a day schedule and then if somebody you know reschedules then I would like put in a new person (laughs) to meet up that day or it's like oh meeting moved okay I'll put this in instead um do you enjoy it um I enjoy it because I like I guess the control I love I love getting uh that feeling of like I'm handling it 
but it does that part of of my brain does get overwhelmed after a while you know as a creative person you just want to stay creative and but then like it's a balancing act i you know there's really no way to go around and unless if you find like a group of people or a couple of people that truly will help you 100% and work harder than you but i don't really think that anybody else can work harder than your yourself right. you know you're your own champion you know whatever it is it doesn't even have to be a musician's point of view it's like you can be a writer you can be um i don't know an actor you're you are your best champion mm -hmm. you know um if you have one person in your life who works harder than you then you are friggin lucky you know but for for the most of us we have to work it you're really like the the arrow you're like the spearhead yes basically you've gone through so much but you really kept at it and stuck with it when it was hard and it became this bigger thing this calling like where do you feel you are now in this season at least um i'm in the season of like i've put my heart out so many times with, through music through songwriting through releasing a few releases singles eps one full-length record that i think songwriting is such as a singer you find your voice it's who you are and once you find your voice within your vocal range within who you are um it is what it is songwriting once you write that amazing song you can't write that again Right. You start from scratch. So you asked me like where I am in my life. It's like it's that forever pursuit of like what to do next. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to write another song that I already released last year. I don't want to recycle the way I've written or chose melodies that I've done mm. two years ago or yesterday. So it's like there's a kind of tricky kind of balance. But, you know. People, especially fans of yours and who are familiar with your work, are comforted by the work you are that you've already done. Mm -hmm. So there's a part of them that do want kind of like the similar vibes, the similar... There's an attachment. There is an attachment, and I understand that because I get that way too with the artists that I love. Right. So I'm a fan of musicians, other musicians too, but it is kind of like that, like, how do I venture off? and not alienate the people that I've... Mm. Is that, know. like, really a conscious thing on your mind? It's not always conscious, but it is now, like, lately. But then what's fulfilling my soul, you know? Right. Like, should I... I don't know. It's, it's, it is a very, very tricky thing. Like, I don't want to just pump out for music or new singles just for the heck of it. Mm -hmm. I want something meaningful, purposeful, and something new into the table, it, at least in my world. So... It is kind of like a lot of soul searching a lot of uh, times when I'm when I'm in this writing creative mode. Uh, when you're touring, you know, you do your own like Material. what works already, yeah. like the old stuff and maybe introduce new, new songs here and there. But I feel like touring and singing and meeting people is pretty easy for me. But songwriting is like as much as I love it. I love the craft of songwriting. It is always going to be the hardest part of the whole thing. Wow, that's interesting. So yeah. that's like where you really have to 
put in your hours and craft yeah. at it. Whereas like the performing just comes out of you. Yeah, I mean, uh, even like the last single that I released with Jesse Barrera, it's a joint single, you know, he produced it and uh, producer artist type of thing. And then I was his guest feature vocalist, and but I co-wrote it with him. So he and I wrote it together. But, you know, I remember tracking vocals for that. It, it was so easy. I didn't strain. I didn't feel like I was exhausted. It was just... Just fun. Fun. Um, the writing part was pretty fun, too, because he and I have this kind of, like, cohesive vibes. <laughs> have you guys worked together before? Oh, a lot. Oh, okay. I mean, he's basically, like, my one of my main producers that I've worked with since I was uh, my first... EP, one of my first oh, EPs. Wow. Yeah, he's he's cool. been probably one of the most consistent producers that I've had in my career. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I was the first female client that he's ever had. That's amazing. Yeah, dude. That is really cool because I've seen um, both of your guys' work yeah. from way back, but I didn't connect that. Yeah, that. Jesse and I are like family. I remember... Uh, his studio now in here in LA is like the third incarnation of it, JB Cave. The first two incarnations of his studios were in San Diego. I was there since the first one. Wow. And I remember, uh, so we we met 10 years ago, uh, essentially. And then so it's kind of fitting that we started the new decade with a single together. That's so, so Yeah, cool. it's cool. Yeah, but, it you know, songwriting is definitely always going to be the tough part, for me at least, in my perspective. Because I can, you know, I can manufacture songs that I've done before or, like, formulaic songs that could work in certain but things. But you as the artist, you But, want. yeah, for me as Melissa Polinar, it's, like, it's... I don't know if I'm just giving myself so much more, like, like a harder time than I need to, but... Um, I feel like artists always struggles with these kinds of things, but it kind of lessens, um, you know, one, one of the things that I love with writing with Jesse for his single is that I kind of liberated myself a little bit from the pressures of Melissa because he's, he's releasing it as Jesse under, under his name as well. So it's like, it gave me a little bit of like freedom in right. that too. So, uh, that's why I like co-writing and working with other people in that regard. This season, though, is kind of like in that searching. Yeah, it's that searching thing. I, I'm trialer, trial and error-ing. <laughs> Whoa, wow, that's a tongue twister. That is a hard word. Trial and error-ing. You know? Yeah, and it's fun. I think it, there's a fun aspect to that because you can just keep writing. It's like, oh, it doesn't work. Okay, let's start again. But it is very um, emotionally uh, draining. Do you find that stuff comes to you when you have, like, when you put yourself in that space to create? Or is it, like, anytime you're walking, you're cooking, you're, you're waking up? Um, I do have, you know, my iPhone with me all the time. So <laughs> I do have me voice memos. Um, one little quirky thing that I do have, if you, yeah, see, you see this? I have an actual notebook. Wow. Yeah, because I don't. coffee. Yeah, well, because I think... Our phones are not the most conducive for creativity, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. It's conducive for productivity uh, to, you know, make Even then that can be hard. I feel like I get distracted. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like, to-do lists are on here. Song ideas are on here. Uh, project concepts in my head are on here. Um, so, 
uh, yeah, pen and paper. Very organized. No, I am not. But seriously, you no, know, like to be able to contain all of that in one notebook. Uh, no, it's just I think it's just to lay it down here, and whether they actually come to fruition or not is kind of irrelevant. I just kind of put it down on paper, mm. and a lot of times they do happen. It's not necessarily in the same timeline that I initially projected, but they end up happening. So, uh, and on the phone, it's like you get so many notifications, you get so many like emails. Uh, that like you don't know what to do first and then right i remember like wanting to do something initially and then i got a notification and like 15 minutes later i was like what was i supposed to do in the first place (laughs) totally do you feel like um in the searching time that there's anything in particular that's inspiring you or that you feel drawn to um no not necessarily (laughs) it's so hard to like kind of pinpoint um I'm we're in Los Angeles right now and the past couple of days has been kind of like a heavy oh yeah kind of thing. Uh yeah. so it, you know, I didn't grow up like a Lakers fan, you know, from Texas, but it's and I'm also uh kind of an empath. So it's like when I everywhere I go, it's like it's just like I, I absorb it. all that and uh it's been kind of an interesting um, couple of days in terms of like perspective in life, you know, it's, uh, I think if anything, that is the inspiring part that you're asking is because like, I'm not a senior citizen or anything, but like, you know, we all get older and it's like, what is it that, that we're leaving behind? What is it that, you know, legacy, I guess mm-hmm. everybody leaves a legacy of some sort. You don't have to be Kobe Bryant to do it. Totally. So it's like that it, in on its own is something that I'm thinking about lately. Um, it is kind of a somber thing, but inspiration can come in different forms. Definitely. So, yeah. Is that a newer thought, something you haven't thought as much about before? Um, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I've thought about it, but uh, it's just sometimes, when you know, situations like these put it in the forefront. Yeah, they really hit you. Yeah. Anything can share in terms of what that legacy you want to leave would be? I don't know. I mean, I just, uh, again, it's like I don't want to overplan my life. You know, I just, (laughs) (laughs) it's not a secret. secret. It's just like I don't, uh, you know, I live the best way I know I can. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to connect with the people that I want to connect with. I try to um, savor everything that i'm given because not everything is guaranteed oh, yeah. you know almost so, nothing yeah and by default as you get older you go through more things you know uh hardships good times highs and lows and i think the perspective that you do have changes through time and for me at least and you know some people take on the yolo like do whatever the hell you want and see how it goes i don't necessarily go that route I'm more of like what can I do right now to make things better for myself and for the my family and for everybody around me Mm. uh whether it be indirect or not you know so it's like yeah I think past couple of days has definitely like brought me to that kind of uh thinking yeah 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 definitely is a heavy thing See, so you're working on the kind of the incubating period right now. Oh, that's a great description. Incubating. (laughs) (laughs) It's like warm and fuzzy. Yeah. Okay, so you're in the incubating period right now. 
Um, no timeline, right? No timeline. No. Of- I mean, I've been tracking uh, some stuff here and there. Um, it looks like this year it could be looking like collaborations are kind of like the key to things in terms of like different artists. Um, but that's just one possibility. No timeline. It's exciting, but it's also scary and a lot of mixed emotions of like, will people like it? Will people not like it? What's going on? I mean, know. have people ever not liked it though? I mean, it's like, I think people don't necessarily say it in front of your face, but like, <laughs> You know, they have preferences, you right. know, it's like, oh, I like Melissa with just the guitar and vocals. I'm like, that's boring, though. Oh, do you hear that a lot? I do. Wow. It's because they're so attached to the YouTube days, right? Especially mm-hmm. for people who's been with me for a long time. They, they're definitely, some of them are. They're part of their life like that. Yeah. It's like, oh, I just want you the guitar and the vocals. I'm like, I understand that. I'm, I'm like, thank you because, you know, that means you can stand on your own with less instruments. Yeah. But um, I think fans need to realize that artists need to evolve in order to be be artists and mm-hmm. stay artists so it's what uh, art's about yeah because the moment they become you know the moment you stop evolving as an artist you just become a commodity you just you're just putting a product out there so you can just get money um and as much as it is a commodity you know i get it you're wanting to pay your bills and all that stuff it's like you know, I think real artistry is not driven by that to the core. So right. it's definitely not what you went into it for. No. And I'm trying to stay true to that. Um, you know, I, I know there's practical. Like, yeah, I got to pay my bills. Yeah. But I would say 99 or not 99, maybe see 97% of my fans would say, like, I love the evolution of, you know, experimentation and all that stuff. And I love that when... When people actually feel that, like, oh, Melissa is evolving. Like, I love that because it's like I'm going somewhere. If I'm not going anywhere, then, like, what am I doing here? Right. Like, other (laughs) things are just, like, going – life is going along and you're – Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do you feel like you have to draw a line for yourself sometimes in, like, how much you share as an artist? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I would encourage a lot of my social media influencers to do the same because I, I don't know. I just like, I don't need to know what you ate for breakfast. Like, I don't need to know like everything. Yeah. I think people are just so oversaturated with just so much information and like people just need to kind of connect more deeply with people, you know, in person, in person. And you can only do that one at a time, a few people at a time. You can't do that with five freaking thousand friends. You know, you can't. It's impossible. And I think that's the reason why that's part of the problem now is that people are, feel so disconnected, in, even with all the social networking platforms. It's so, it's the irony. <laughs> um, it's just overwhelming, like, um, to be in it all the time. Right. Um, and you don't like to compare yourself, but you can't help it when you start comparing yourself with other people. And then you get FOMO because people were in this show and you weren't on the show. And like, oh, ah, no. <laughs> it's really petty. It's stupid when I talk about it. Now it's like when you think about it, it's like, it doesn't really matter. That stuff doesn't really matter. Right. If you're not in that show because you're in another city, it doesn't really matter. And I've come to realize that like connection should just be more on a deeper level. And, and I don't want that to be like a cliche kind of word or a... Um, I'm an introvert, right? Mm-hmm. 
And I think it's easier for me to connect with people a deeper on a deeper level because I love deep talks. I know. I hate like small talks. <laughs> small talks. Like I have. Okay. Okay. Truth be told, yes. I went to a Grammy after party. One of the many. There's a oh, billion. Right. It was this past weekend. I totally forgot. Yeah. So uh, there's a billions of you know a million of them out there before the Grammys and then after the Grammys. There's a bunch of little parties and. For every studio, for every genre, for everything. Uh, I never go, but I got invited to one, so I just like, okay, let's go. Um, Your face when he says, just like, mm. Yeah. You know, it was like an EDM, like, boom, boom, four on the floor. Wow. Um, Must have been loud. It was super loud. So, like, how do you connect with people? How do you know these people? Like, there's a lot of people walking in and out. Some of them might be executives. Some of them might be other artists. I don't know. I'm just looking at them, and I'm like... Like, you can't really talk, and I don't want to waste my vocal cords talking through. <laughs> this huge four-on-the-floor yeah. bass and drum. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, okay, well, it's cool. I guess this, some people like this stuff. More power to you, but it's just not mine. So it's like um, I love having lunch, dinners, or just coffee. I mean, I literally have had conversation with a friend at a coffee shop for like four hours just talking. Like, and I think when you come away with that kind of experience, you feel more connected and you feel more grounded. Um, Because I think in the long run, um, it's it's more edifying. Um, And I think, you know, I go back again with Jesse and I go back with Jeremy and even Gabe. Like, my relationship with those guys are very grounded because I've spent time with them. I've talked to them. I've, I mean, I've told them, like you know, my sad times, you know, it's not always just like the happy Instagram moments that you, you show. So it's like, it's, it's one of those things that I don't have to see them every day, but I see them and we're like, yay, you know, we're like family. And yeah. I think that's very important for a lot of independent musicians because every day we're dealt with so many people, right? We, we have different clients, different bosses, mm-hmm. different gigs from different parts of like, genres and whatever so it's like you just get really like hazy (laughs) yeah because (laughs) you're being pulled so many different directions mm -hmm. yeah so it's like i think it's important for um especially for independent musicians to to kind of have your core of people and even if you don't see those people physically because you're on tour all the time it's like you know you're connected to somebody that who cares about you not just because you're that you know? And it's not just going to disappear yeah. in a year. And you never know what disappears and what doesn't disappear. And only time will tell. You know, some people will come and go and that's okay. I think that's, um, I want to say, I think that's really cool that you, of course you tour, but then you also tour with those people you mentioned, these friends like Gabe and Jeremy and yeah. did things a couple <clears throat> past years. Because I think touring and those live performance moments create that space for not just you guys, but for other people to come to the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, you're specifically talking about Jeremy and Gabe, which uh, we've done more consistent touring together. And yeah, uh, I personally, on my end, wanted to do it with them is because, again, it's kind of like another thing of validating our presence, not because of our sake, but like kids who look like us, who enjoyed our music through the years, who followed us through the years and like validated them that that. If they want to do this, they can do that too, you know, and probably way better than us. I don't know who they are. They're, everything builds, so it's kind of like what you guys yeah. do, they can step up yeah. onto too. Like it's possible. 
And I think even like in other um, communities, like African-American community and all that stuff, that's the first thing that they say, like just to see like an actor who won like an Oscar, who's uh, African-American validated their their existence. And I think that's what we are doing. You know, we're just validating our existence in this space because to be absent and to just, you know, hiding in the backgrounds is not necessarily accomplishing the bigger picture, you know? Yeah. It's very important work, even just like being, I know we talked about this at the beginning, like if you had kids who wanted to be a musician and also like kind of seeing when you tour all these people that you meet now who um, obviously love what you're doing and enjoy it and maybe are inspired by it to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, would you have any advice? Yeah. Like if someone else is trying to do it now, any advice or observation of how it's changed? Um, First is that if you want to be an artist, you have to let go of like what is cool right now. Mm. You have to find your own voice. If you're a vocalist, you have to find your own voice as a vocalist. Singing well is not enough. Writing good songs is not enough. You have to find your voice within the craft. And then the second step is find the people who believe in you, right? Right. Third step, then you do all the like the networking things and like the business things and you have to record things. You know, that's the technical stuff that needs to happen in order for you to get out there. But I think you have to trim those down first to the very core of like finding who you are because, yeah, we're Asian Americans and all that stuff and we're underrepresented, sure. But we have to present something that's not like any other. Mm. What's going on there? Mm. You know, we don't want another Ariana Grande, you know? Yeah. We don't want another Drake. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want another Beyonce who's Asian version <laughs> of Beyonce. You know, like, that just does not work. Right. Should not. It, and you can't replicate another artist. But yeah, but there is a definitely a nuance that comes with Asian American because there's American, right? We grew up the same kind of music as any white boy or any, <laughs> you know, Latino girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we listen to the same radio stations as anybody. So there is that kind of aspect that we can incorporate in our music. Right. Right? So I'm not making Filipino folk music, you know, <laughs> like I'm, you know, it's definitely soul based, right? But like it's, it's still an identity within um, what I was influenced in. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like um, we were talking about social media and yeah. you doing the South by Southwest yeah. showcase a couple of years ago? Do you feel like reception is more open for? Asian I think so. I think now uh, we're in that age where inclusion is definitely a thing. And I hope it's not a phase. I hope it's something to stay. And I think that really depends on the community itself. It's not dependent on the other Mm, people that... That's a good point. Yeah, that's dependent on the Asian Americans as a whole. We can't blame, you know, the white folk, you know. (laughs) (laughs) We can't blame them um, in that regard. Um, You have to have disruptors within, like, if you want... Like, even in film... Mm-hmm. In TV, it's like you need writers who are Asian American. You need like screenplay writers. We need actors that, or just behind the scenes within this whole thing, to bring in a champion, talented creatives. So and it's the same thing like, with music. 
you know, same thing with music. Like if if you're an event or- organizer, then you pull in Asian American artists that you believe in. You know, it's the same thing. It's the same. Yeah. So, but we have to kind of be able to step up for ourselves. Yeah, and- exactly. And I think. Uh, that's just the the best course of action at this point. Um, it, you can't just ride the wave of like the crazy rich Asians phase yeah. of like, yeah, it's like it ranked in, a, brought in a lot of money, but that's very short lived. After a while, it's like people are going to forget about it. I want to be in a, that phase where a movie will flunk a, a, an artist who got signed to a record label or a major label. They're record flunked they would still sign artists and they would still make movies mm, with they still Asian have chances yeah. yeah because you can't just have one chance right you know like you can't just success rates is not a hundred percent even whatever ethnicity you are <laughs> so it's just the chances to just get out there so yeah no definitely it's like instead of having to like really prove yourself from the outside that there's enough stability that and respect yes that you can yeah. keep going and to say that is like i feel like that's the sign of acceptance <laughs> as acceptance and like you know we're we're in it you mm-hmm. know um and the same but i think like you mentioned film and tv is a little bit more advanced than in the music industry music industry is definitely behind on accepting us mm-hmm. and um i think to this day yeah, so it's it's definitely, I mean, there's going to be a lot of no's, but again, it's it's still just keep going. And it right. depends on us, I guess. Yeah, like you said, and learning how to make it our own, which is which is tough and complicated, but mm-hmm. definitely necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, well I want to ask you a rapid fire round before you oh, go. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> um, go. It's okay? Yeah. Okay. Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, chocolate, I'm j- I love chocolate. It just needs to be the right kind of chocolate. Okay, what's I'm the right I'm just more picky. I don't know. Like, just not... <laughs> not gross? Yeah. <laughs> like, a chocolate cake. I'm talking about, like, chocolate cake or chocolate ice cream. Yeah, like, across the board, the flavors. Yeah, the flavor. Like, sometimes chocolate... I've tasted terrible chocolate cake. Then, Yeah. Like, it has to be the right chocolate cake, the way it's made, mm. you know. It's harder to, or easier to mess up. Yeah, easier to mess up than vanilla. Vanilla is, like, I feel like I'd rather have vanilla ice cream that's subpar than a chocolate <laughs> ice cream that's subpar. That's true. You know what I'm saying? That. Yeah, it, it's really disappointing to just, like, taste weirder. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, dude, okay, let's just stick with vanilla and put stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's just get some toppings. Yeah. Okay. Morning or night? Oh, nights. Yeah. Oh. Hands down. <laughs> I'm a night owl. Like, yeah. Um, East coast or west coast for oh. the summer? Like it's oh. summertime. West. West coast? Oh. By far. For the summer? Uh-huh. Yeah, dude. Is it because it's so humid on the east coast? Yeah. And it's like the scenery. I love the scenery of LA. Are you kidding me? Like LA is just like the best summer city. Oh. Yeah, except in the valley. But hey, you know. It gets so hot. <laughs> yeah. But then the thing is, I'm used to the heat too because of Texas. But I just love the scenery, like beaches. And like, even though I don't really go to the beach as much as I would want to. But like, I just love, you know, driving around and with the palm trees. Like, that's like the typical summery thing. And mm. like having a summery track 
you're listening to a summary, you know, album or record. Um, yeah, I I love although East Coast Fall. Mm, okay. Yeah. So for, for the season. Yeah. And um, what's a fear not many people might know that you have? Could be small, big. Fear of doing of doing something that doesn't matter. Mm. At the end of the day, like impact know? wise, yeah, or like just investing in my life that, that didn't matter, mm. you know. Like it's just it's not even failure because failure is just like yeah, whatever, you know. I fail at something and then okay, I'm not good at it. Okay, move on. But like when you invest in something that at the end of the day it didn't really matter, like that is devastating to me. And mm. for some reason, I don't know what that is, but like in my head, like does this really matter what I'm doing right now? And so I think that's what bogs me down, my fear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of artists, because you want what you create. It's, it's so much about meaning. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's more devastating to think about than to, like, fail at something. Yeah, <laughs> to me. it's true. It's a cool way to think about it. Yeah. Okay. Funniest tour story or, like, tour moment? Oh, funniest. Oh, my goodness. You know, with tour, it's not really about funny. It's about, <laughs> like, frustrations that turn into funny when you think back oh, yeah. on it. Oh, in the moment, it's yeah. not great. It's not. <laughs> um, it's like it's like when they say things go wrong at your wedding or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, MPG tour, I would say, uh, MPG Jeremy and Gabe. Uh, we missed our flight. Oh, not missed our flight. They canceled our flight in LaGuardia. And then rerouted us to New Jersey the next day. And that got delayed. And that was the day of the show. And then we went to our show to Atlanta two hours late thinking people are going to leave. And then they all stayed. So it's not really funny, but it's more frustrating. But it was just like such a cool moment. That's probably one of my like, um, you know, fond memories of tour. Wow, yeah. like one of the most memorable. Yeah, like I would that. say so. Okay, pet peeves. Two top two pet peeves. Oh boy, <laughs> you're like there are many. There are quite a few actually. Uh, um, entitled people and uh, networky people. <laughs> I don't know what the best word to describe those people. Like. The ones who kind of like you can tell are out just for a surface interaction. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's like the introvert in me just don't care for that. Like, just like repelled. Yeah, I'm very repelled. Like sometimes I, I'm I'm cordial. I will never be like you know in your face kind of person. But like, it always kind of raises a flag in my head. Like, yeah. So those are the, probably the two. Like, uh, people who live their lives super entitled to everything in life, um, and that. Yes. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah. Tough to be around. Okay. And how would your friends describe you in three words? Uh, man. <laughs> how is this rapid fire? I need to think about these things. Okay. Uh, just like off the top of your head. You don't think too hard. Just like. Uh, nerdy. Quirky. And I guess I would, I would like for them to say that I'm caring. Mm. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, definitely nerdy though, because yeah. <laughs> mm. Okay, favorite color? I would say it's not a straight answer. It's, <laughs> it's it's a hue between yellow and orange. 
it was like that golden. Yeah, it's like sunsetish, but mm. yeah, yeah. Oh, very. Because yellow is too like too happy, <laughs> and then orange is too orange, and so I just kind of like okay, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> okay, what's one thing that never fails to excite you or put a smile on your face? Uh, when I hear the mix of a song that I already like that's been produced the first mix that goes into my ears that's the time that I'm like oh my gosh it's it's getting there it's almost there yeah so that's when I really geek out and like smile from ear to ear because it's like you know you're done with the songwriting tracking and all that stuff that's like the nitty-gritty of it all and but then like when you edit all the parts down and like putting it all together then the first mix comes to you that's when it's really exciting to me and then like the mix you know after a while you edit some mixes here and there and then like mastering and all that stuff but yeah first mix oh that's that's interesting because yeah yeah, it's not the final mix it's It's like that first one yeah it's the first one yeah okay okay last one and this isn't as rapid fire of a question but i just like to ask everyone this okay (laughs) but um given you know how how winding and interesting the journey of an artist and an artist in music can be. And I'm, I'm sure you have many things you're talented at and also interested in, like, why why music? What keeps you music? Why music? Because it, it it's, it's a life form in me. It's not necessarily all of my life because there's different so many, there's so many compartments in my life that's outside of music. But it's a life form in me that's so, it makes, keeps me alive at the end of the day. Um, mm. Not just breathing and not just like eating. It's, it's something that it's like instilled in my heart. And so it's, I guess it's a life form as though it's like an alien in me, you know, it's a bad visual, but that is what it is. <laughs> I've been some Hollywood movies. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like this thing inside of me that mm. just, you know, that, that keeps me going. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for sharing about your journey. And um, do you want to just tell people, in case they don't know your handles online, where to okay. find you to keep in touch? All right. Well, my name is Melissa Polinar, M-E-L-I-S-S-A. Polinar is P-O-L-I-N-A-R. And my Instagram handle is M Polinar. Um, Twitter is the same. And Facebook is Melissa Polinar. I don't know why it was not consistent, but yeah. So I'm I'm everywhere. Yeah. And you, your YouTube channel? So oh yeah, uh, YouTube channel is the same. And Polinar. So uh, I try to be consistent with everything. Awesome. Keep in touch and look out for the next project as things continue to incubate. Yeah, incubate. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Thanks again to Melissa for joining us today. For links to anything from today, including Melissa's socials and music, you'll be able to find those below in the show description. You can also check them out at our website, soundoff, with three Fs, S-O-U-N-D-O-F-F-F dot com, where we'll have Melissa's interview highlights and photos online as well. Make sure to follow her online and check out her collaboration, Like I Do, which will be closing us out right now. No one knows all the things you have.